You want to equip your children to have a really good understanding of consent as they grow up so that they can make positive and informed and empowered choices for themselves as they start to discover themselves as sexual beings and just humans in general. Hello and welcome to Mum Life, a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Kidanor, and each week I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Pod. Today I'm talking with Shay Ellis, a sexual wellness coach who supports women in finding a deeper connection to their bodies and sexuality. We're talking all things sex, including how we can claim our sexuality as new mothers, how we navigate our sexual relationships with our partners, and also sex-positive parenting. Essentially, how we as parents can best support our children to feel grounded in their bodies and to not place shame around feeling pleasure in their bodies. We also talk about consent when it comes to physical touch. The consent piece is really topical at the moment in the media. With the Me Too movement really taking hold, we're seeing examples like Brittany Higgins coming to light. For those of you who don't know, Brittany was allegedly raped by a colleague while working with the Liberal Party. Certainly, the benefit of women and men feeling empowered to talk about sexual assault is changing the landscape around what is deemed appropriate. Gone are the days where these vile acts are being swept under the rug. I actually read the book She Said by Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey. This is a book about how these investigative reporters exposed Harvey Weinstein's history of abuse and sexual misconduct against women which was the catalyst for the Me Too movement. It's so interesting seeing how sexual assault victims went from being too scared to admit what had happened to them to seeing one person, then another, then another go public with their story. And this led to a catapulting effect where more and more people felt comfortable to speak up. It's an excellent book, so I certainly would recommend it to anyone who's interested in this area. But essentially, this is the world in which we're bringing up our children, where consent and treating people with respect and understanding boundaries around how you conduct yourself sexually is becoming more and more prevalent. We also have the challenge of raising children in the age of the internet, where so much is accessible at their fingertips, including things like pornography. So it's never been more important to parent in a way where our children feel comfortable to be open and honest about sex and their bodies. I'm so passionate about this topic, so I'll be looking to bring you more content in this area in the episodes to come. It's certainly a new world out there, so different to the days when all we had was the dictionary if we wanted to understand what sex was all about. What I love about this conversation with Shay are the tips that she provides in the sexual space. It's a reminder that even though in the early years of motherhood, where we tend to feel a little less sexy, that we can still find ways to be sexy mamas, one act of self-love at a time. Let's cut to the conversation. Hi, Shay. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Leonie. It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited just to indulge in a little bit of, uh, you know, self-talk and guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just feel like the journey when you've got a newborn and even through to toddler years and quite frankly, it's probably for the rest of your life. It, it just seems so much about the children. Um, and mm. I think particularly when you've got infants to look after, uh, you sort of, you, you tend to put your own needs, you know, to the side and it's all about the baby. And often that means your relationship often takes a bit of a backseat as well. So um, I'm looking forward to getting a, a few tips from you around how we can 
potentially get a bit more balance in our lives, um, particularly mm. as new mums. Um, so, look, I thought I'd kick it off with a question around how we can best promote self-care and self-love uh, during this time. As new mums, we've got very minimal time to ourselves, as I mentioned. Also, we've we've got children hanging off us. We're constantly being touched. We're constantly needed. There's so many demands placed on us that often, I mean, I fall asleep at night in a heap and I'll be lucky to have half an hour to myself before falling asleep. So, you know, how do in that environment, where do you even begin with self-love? It's such a good question. And when we have kids, you know, our, our worlds change completely. And we often find ourselves longing for what we used to have and therefore, you know, this question of how do we get what we need is such a massive question and the truth is is that life has changed, you know, and what we actually as new new mothers, as young mothers long for is something that um, is, you know, it, it's a life in the past, essentially, and we're actually really um, stepping into a new way of being. So quite often there can be a bit of um, just an unsettled um, sort of energy around mm. becoming a new mum sometimes because, as you say, you're being pulled in every direction, you're, you know, the demands on your body, the demands on your time are so huge and trying to find ways to self-care can be really, really challenging. I'm just going to be really honest, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly because our hormones have changed as well, you know. So there's so much, there's a lot of layered elements at play as to why, you know, we feel the way we do. And quite often we find ourselves, you know, grabbing coffee and trying to, um, you know, coffee up and and sort of get ahead in that way, which can um, often have a bit of a detrimental effect. I mean, I love coffee don't get me wrong but (laughs) and it can definitely help but but it's quite often when your hormones are playing havoc with you and you've got all these demands on your time and you're trying to make sense of your new life um Mm. it can be one of those things that can hold you back a little bit so you know it's really about um being really gentle with ourselves in terms of self-care and just acknowledging that you know things have changed and you know, grasping for what was um, can often be quite unhelpful. Um, but some ways that we can, you know, some ways that we can um, take good care of ourselves as mothers, just in terms of really basic care. You know, if your baby's really young, are just things like sleeping when the baby is sleeping, um, taking baths with the baby, being very um, eating well. You know, being very um, nurturing towards yourself and nourishing towards yourself, so that you, um, so that you're taking care of your energy levels and you're not feeling completely wired at a time when you know your life has, um, you know, it's the it's the great disruptor having a baby, right? It's, um, it's, it's huge stuff. So, um, you know, look, there are lots of, um, you know, there are lots of things we can do from an embodiment perspective that can really support us, um, which, you know, uh, in relation to ourselves in relation to how we feel about ourselves, but also in relation to, um, our partners as well and our relationship with our partners. Just on the um, the nutrition and looking after yourself, I find that when I'm exhausted, I even now with my little ones, I crave chocolate. That's my that's my kryptonite. Um, I'm worried about having more than one coffee because I'm breastfeeding and I, I don't know what that would, I don't want my kid to be up any more at night than he already is, but yeah. certainly chocolate carbs and it's never a green smoothie. It's never, you know, a nice luscious salad. So, you know, just even in that respect, how can we potentially shift that mindset or is it is it a mindset thing and, and sort of steer ourselves back on course? Mm, I think one of the ways that we can look after ourselves, as I said, is through nutrition. Eating good fats is an absolutely amazing way to beat those um, sugar cravings. Um, um, so, you know, good quality, um, if you if you eat meat, good quality meat, um, fish, um, MCT oil, coconut oil. Uh, if you do have chocolate, uh, 
you know, getting onto a good quality chocolate that, you know, isn't full of sugar that actually nourishes you. So it's really about making, um, just making choices for yourself and, being aware that you know like it's being a mother it's a big initiation so it's a stepping it's very much a stepping up into taking more responsibility for ourselves um and sometimes we're not necessarily prepared to do that and you know we do find ourselves hankering for our old life and you know want to grab a cocktail want to grab some chocolate want you know want to grab a coffee or whatever it is mm-hmm. because that's the easy fix taking good care of ourselves as as mothers is really about taking a deeper level of responsibility for what we do put into our bodies and how that makes us feel um and also from a pleasure perspective as well i mean if we want more pleasure in our bodies then we're going to need to be nourishing ourselves Uh, and keeping our hormones as balanced as possible um, so that we can open to that and not fry ourselves, you know, not fray our nervous systems through the wrong foods, through the wrong, through the, um, you know, the wrong type of energy output. Mm, Makes so much sense. I mean, certainly after having, you know, a a kilo of chocolate or whatever it is that that you're into, you you just feel the least sexy you've ever felt. You feel, Mm. you know, there's that guilt factor as well. Like, did I really have to go there? Then there's that self-shaming that comes into place. Then you're exhausted. Mm. And Mm. then it's just all a little bit of a cocktail of emotions that makes you just kind of go, you know what, I've just got to fall asleep and deal with tomorrow or deal with the next hour when my kid wakes up again (laughs) as best I can. It feels like survival. Um, absolutely and- absolutely and it really is and and you know there's a balance to strike as well with regards to giving yourself a break as well so it really is a delicate line to walk with regards to um, opening to what you know is nourishing and good for you and also not beating yourself up and not making yourself feel bad I mean we have enough on our plates mm. um, let alone you know having our own sort of conscience, you know, nagging Mm. on our shoulder. Oh, a hundred percent. I think when I think self-care, the one thing I feel I do do for myself is just such a small thing, but I often put a little face mask on and have a little routine where I put the face mask on and while it's prepping on my face, I'm like just painting my nails and that whole thing, it might take 15 minutes, but that's 15 minutes to me, for me. Um, and I feel so great after it. Yeah. And look, if that makes you feel good and that's what really nourishes you, then that's absolutely brilliant. And you're right. It is about knowing what those things are, you know, for a lot of women, it's just immersing in a bathtub, you know, and just putting oils in your bathtub and and having a luxurious experience at home. Sometimes, you know, that's that's all that's needed. Um, waxing mm. your legs, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's um, it's it's the little things when oh. when you've got a tiny baby, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Talking about, I mean, just the little things, even I find if I put on a bit of hand cream and smells and senses can just Mm. kind of shift my mood. Isn't it amazing that such little things can make such a big difference? Absolutely. Smells are absolutely incredible. I'm really big on smells. I mean, particularly walking with your baby with the pram, walking past a rosemary bush and and picking some and smelling it, you know, and Mm. yeah, smells are incredibly nourishing for us and really help to settle the nervous system. Yeah. So we've got things like nutrition. We've got things like, as you said, you know, potentially a bath or a facial or just these little things that we can do for ourselves as as far as promoting that self-care and love. Mm. Um, So when we want to go further than that, and we sort of want to think about reclaiming our sexuality as new mothers, where to from there? So it's really about reframing um, what how, how we relate to our sexuality. So typically um, up until when we have children, um, but for quite for, for most women actually all throughout their lives in some cases, we as women have sex and respond to a male pattern of arousal. And what that means is that um, we respond to, well, we basically think that sex is just penetrative sex, right? And that we, it's very goal oriented. We have to be, 
you know, ready when our partner is ready. I mean, I'm talking heterosexually here, but quite often this can be the case in same-sex um, relationships as well, that, you know, you feel like you need to respond, you know, and particularly if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you feel like you need to respond. Men arouse very quickly and they, you know, they're ready to go and women take a lot longer to arouse. A woman actually um, typically takes 40 minutes to fully engorge and be fully ready for sex yeah it's yeah it's quite amazing isn't it so most women are actually being penetrated too soon and probably have been all their lives um and when yeah it's it's quite a fascinating statistic actually Mm. um and when we have children and we're thinking about you know reclaiming our sexuality and reclaiming our bodies quite often new mothers are thinking about their bodies in relationship to their partners and what their partners need and want. I mean, it's also about what we want as well. It's not sort of denying that aspect of it either. But it's really, I think, important to get a really good picture of this, that sex isn't you know, sex the way we have often viewed it typically in, you know, in our mainstream culture is not necessarily or by any stretch of the imagination the only way we can engage with our sexuality. Mm. And when we are new mothers, you know, we're called into a lot of vulnerability. Um, We might not be ready for sex. We might not feel like it in the way that we used to. So, Instead of feeling like that might be something that is a problem, you know, and something that we we struggle to communicate or or struggle to express, um, mm. we can also reframe that and look at it from a different perspective, where we are um, opening to more vulnerability with our partners and deeper deeper connection with our partner. So, you know. Instead of just sort of like being ready and being on um, for sex like you might have been prior to having children, Mm. um, it calls a lot more of the relationship and that's a really beautiful thing, you know. Like if if you're both willing to meet each other in that vulnerability, it can be an incredible deepening in in a partnership. Um, I can imagine I, the first thing that springs to mind is I'm exhausted. This baby's hanging off me. I've been breastfeeding for 20 minutes. I've finally put the baby to sleep. I'm sitting on the couch, you know, hoovering down my dinner. Husband's next to me. The He puts his hand on my knee, you know, and the, I'm like, <laughs> you know, just, you're just like, I've been touched so much already. And I'm yeah. just, I just need five minutes to myself. So um, I think, you know, and being vulnerable sounds like such a beautiful thing. And in order to form that connection, and I think at least for myself, um, I, I'd even struggle to sink into that. So, so what can we be doing to sink more into our vulnerability? Mm. So it's interesting, you know, when you describe, I can just picture exactly what you mean when, you know, your husband reaches over and indicates that he wants some intimacy and you're like, oh, no, I'm so not into that right now. Just give me, give me a minute or give me days, give me months, whatever it might be, you know. Um, And usually what we are, um, usually what we're saying no to is this thought often more often than not, is this thought of penetrative sex, right? Is this thought of we have to give something as opposed to um, what what do we really feel like, you know? Like do we feel like a sensual massage or do we feel like um, an opportunity to just be with our partners and receive some breast massage, you know, or um, some kind of intimate touch that you can receive solely for you without feeling like you need to give back. So this is about entering into communication with your partner and, you know, and and switching things up and doing things differently. And this is what I mean about vulnerability. A lot of women find it really, really hard to say no. And they, they really shy away from saying no because, you know, we've been programmed as women to 
want or to, to, to feel like we always need to be turned on women, you know, that we always need to mm. be up for it and ready for it. And if we're not, then what does that mean? What does that mean mm. about us? Does that mean that we're not lovable anymore? Does that mean that we're not sexy anymore? Does that, what does that mean about our identity as women? Um, and this is, a, you know, this is a, the initiation into the mother, essentially. It's sort of moving from the, the maiden archetype into the mother and really reclaim, or not even reclaiming, actually just claiming your truth as you are now in this new archetypal phase of your life. Um, mm. It takes a lot more self-responsibility to be able to step up and into your vulnerability and speak your truth. And also it takes education as well. So most men have no idea that women, mothers or not, take 40 minutes for them to become fully aroused and engorged. Women don't know that, you know, like oh, no like one. has that kind of time? Like... Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> what a place to be. I know, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, but, but, but the thing is, is that it's really, um, you know, this is, this is education that we never got, mm-hmm. you know, so this is why we need to be gentle with ourselves because we're navigating new territory in a way that we never, ever have before. And same for our partners as well. So, you know, this is, this is about being willing. And as you say, when we have babies, it is all about the baby. We prepare for the baby. We buy everything for the baby. You know, all the, all the money gets spent on the baby, you know, like the prams, the cots, the everything. And, and then, you know, the baby has everything and isn't that fantastic? Mm. And then what do we have? What do we have for ourselves as women? And what do we have for our relationship? What do we invest in for our relationship? Um, mm. This is really vital stuff. I mean, acts of self-love teach self-love. So if we don't give to ourselves in this way, then mm. what are we teaching our children? as as we raise them you know like we we need to be role models and we need to teach them and show them that we care for ourselves oh absolutely it actually just reminds me i um did this course uh with tony robbins this date with destiny five day uh and um one of the full days was relationships and the one thing that he said i mean he said a million things but the one thing that really resonated with me was you've got to remember to put your relationship first before your children and everything. And I remember sitting there and I wasn't a mother at the time and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, put your relationship first. And then you have a child. (laughs) And I always think back to that and I think because he goes, you're not going to be good, you know, you're not going to be the best versions of yourself if you are giving constantly to your children, if you're irritated by your partner, you're going to be the best per- uh, versions of yourself and the best parents for this child if the two of you are this solid team and you really therefore need to be investing a lot of time and energy in your relationship, um, you know, if not more than the amount that you think that you want to provide to your children. So it really sounds like, you know, along the lines of what you're saying here, yeah. this is serious stuff. It really is serious stuff. And absolutely it's, um, it's so, so important. Um, what happens when we have kids also is that if there are some issues in our relationship around communication, around the willingness to be vulnerable, around expectations, around sex, I mean, this sort of stuff can roll along in relationships and not seem like such a big deal until you have kids and then you realise, hang on a minute, there's something not quite right here that we need to iron out in our relationship and if you're not willing to sort of go into that vulnerability and into those depths then a child can be the ultimate distraction right you know Mm -hmm. I'm too busy for to address that because oh my god I'm just you know haywire crazy with my kid Mm -hmm. so that's another thing to get real about as well and to consider absolutely I comes back to, for me, it comes back to, but I feel so maxed out by touch, you know, and Mm. I think a lot of mothers would say that particularly breastfeeding mothers, but even, even, um, formula, you know, you've just constantly holding your baby, you got your baby on you, you know, I've got the toddler, you know, nipping at my feet. Um, 
I guess the question is how do we then still find room to want to then sort of um, form that physical connection with our partners after, as I said, baby's asleep and you're sitting there going, finally, mm, you know, mm, we're done for the day. Mm. Um, you know, and I th- is it a mindset thing? Is it, you know, how can we be thinking about this? Yeah. Look, giving to yourself um, before you come to your partner is also a really um, wonderful thing to do. We need to know first and foremost what it is that we even want, you know. Mm. It's And we're not going to know what we want unless we allow that space for ourselves. And, you know, like, I mean, I could talk about self-pleasure practices and I'm a a massive advocate of self-pleasure practices. And Mm. a lot of women, new mothers, they might be like, oh, my God, I can't even, you know, like as you say, I can't even Mm. think about that because, Mm. you know, that sort of... um, often women just jump to the, um, you know, to the idea of just, you know, masturbating or, you know, like Mm. getting really sexual with yourself. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I mean, if that's what you want, great, you know, but this could be just um, lying in the bath and breathing, connecting to your breath and then just like caressing your breasts or caressing your nipples and just actually allowing some pleasure into the body that isn't, you know, having to put out, you know, like mm-hmm. mothers are just needing to put out all the time and mm-hmm. put out for their kids, you know, in, in breastfeeding and all the demands of the toddlerhood and, you know, they put out, they feel like they need to put out for their partners and it, it's the outward energy that really um, that a lot of women really struggle with. So mm-hmm. if you can actually just allow a little bit of time when you have it to to do like a breath practice and to, you know, get some massage oil and just massage your breasts and to not be afraid actually, and this is a really critical one as well, to actually feel pleasure in the breasts when you're breastfeeding. A lot of women find that really odd or Mm. unusual because there's this story that we can't feel pleasure in our bodies, sexual pleasure in our bodies if we're breastfeeding or even if we're mothers. And, you know, that's, that's an interesting one because it's, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a sexual culture reframe. Like we just in mainstream culture sort of feel that, um, you know, we, we put sexuality in a box you know, that sexuality is something we just experience with our partner in the bedroom mm. and that's it, you know, mm. and it's got a nice little bow on it as mm. opposed to, you know, just understanding that sexual energy is something that can run through our body in so many different circumstances in life. Like we can feel sexual energy in our body when we're doing yoga you know, we can feel mm. sexual energy in our body when we're giving birth. I mean, a lot of women don't really understand or or know much about that, but birth can actually be orgasmic. And having having orgasmic energy or bliss in the body is a completely normal expression of our life force energy. So it doesn't have to be this understanding that we only feel pleasure in our body if we're having sex, you know, like okay, it's I've act- got, yeah, I've got two questions here. <laughs> yeah. stop you there. This is blowing my mind. So mm. question one, I feel like, um, when you are breastfeeding, at least from my experience, my breasts are now a functional tool mm. that, you know, they are producing milk for child. So therefore how could I possibly be feeling pleasure from them? I'll, I'll start with that question. Mm. All women are different. I will start Mm. with saying, Leonie, so this isn't Mm. a one-size-fits-all approach by any stretch of the imagination. So Mm. some women, some women just find breastfeeding painful. You know, some women have issues with breast 
breastfeeding and it's difficult and actually accessing any kind of pleasure in the breasts around breastfeeding is just like, what the hell, that's just not happening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some women find ble- breastfeeding really pleasurable. So, you know, they get the oxytocin release and they just, and, and they love it. And mm-hmm. some women find actually that um they feel really hesitant to let themselves enjoy breastfeeding because they've got this fear that it's just not the right thing to do you know i mean right. it's it's a i actually think this is a topic of conversation that we need to be having more because mm. there can be a lot of shame around women feeling pleasure in their breasts when they're breastfeeding and they and a lot of women actually deliberately or subconsciously shut themselves off from feeling pleasure because they feel mm. like it's not allowed it's dirty it's inappropriate it's whatever like god forbid what would happen if i felt pleasure in my breasts while i'm breastfeeding you know mm. it's it's a it's a it's a topic of conversation that lo- usually lies firmly in the shadows you know, yeah. Oh, and absolutely. yeah, and what I want to reassure women is that it is okay. And the reason why it's okay is because it's just, it's, it is a natural, like the, the pleasure that we feel in our body is a natural expression of our life force energy. So, you know, like, it's not like, um, you know, when we have sex, obviously, you know, we, we set an intention to have an erotic experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's different to actually just allowing energy to flow in your body and just mm. being okay with it. Because mm, that was question number two was around um, you said giving birth can, you know, can be an orgasmic experience for some people. I, mm. Again, it sounds like if you allow it, um, and I think, you know, we're so programmed often to, um to shut down. And I think that really resonates with me. It's just like, oh, well, you know, that's inappropriate, like, or, or yeah. you know, or in whatever s- circumstance. So that blows my mind that, you know, I mean, I just think birth, pain, you know, drugs, you know, like yeah. all of those Ab- things. Absolutely. So, it's most people's the, experience. Yeah. So mm. actually just on that, like, when you refer to the fact that it can have an, a, a sort of a, a sexual or pleasurable energy to it amongst, mm. you know, what's happening there. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Mm. Well, one other thing to consider also is that orgasmic energy doesn't always have to be erotic. And, you know, like we associate oh, right. it as erotic energy because that's yeah. that's what we've been uh, conditioned to understand mm. yes. um, as opposed to just um, allowing energy to flow in the body quite simply because we are human and energy flows in our body. And, yes, sometimes it's really, really pleasurable. Like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you might be in holiday on holidays in Fiji and you're really mm. excited and you throw open the window and you take a big breath and you're just like, oh, mm. my God, my body feels like so ecstatic. If you yes. actually did start breathing, like deep mm. breathing, you could actually have a, an orgasmic experience in your body if you, nice. if you, if you allowed yourself to you know, but we're conditioned not to do that. And that wouldn't be an erotic experience, right? Because, you know, I mean, you're just out, you're looking at the ocean or you're just feeling happy about being um, in your bliss. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing about um, just touching on, um, on birth is that, you know, we're, we're really conditioned as women to just experience our bodies um, through a very patriarchal lens. Right. And, um, it's there's so much more to our bodies than what we're conditioned to understand. Oh, absolutely. I feel like so let's talk a little bit about that then, the conditioning that happens. And I know when I had a chat with you prior to this conversation, you mentioned sort of sex-positive parenting, and I would never even knew what that was. Um Let's start there because I feel like this really ties into to what we were talking about as far as that conditioning. And, um, you know, I know I want to set my boys up to, you know, in, in the best way possible so that they 
you know, as much as possible, um, don't block out that sort of energy. Um, so, and I think that ties in with sex positive parenting. So can you tell everyone a little bit about what that even means? Mm. So sex positive parenting is when we are raising our children, um, to have a really positive experience of their bodies. Um, some people might shy away from sex positive parenting because it, it they might think that it means that we're um, we're putting we're, we're pushing sex onto our kids or you know and mm-hmm. it's it's nothing to do with that it's actually um, raising our children from a really young age to not have any shame around the experience of their bodies so children when they're born they're so open. You know, they're just so open to life and life force energy and love and they're just they're just these incredible, open, unaffected little beings and then they get shut down, you know, bit by bit, you know, they, they move through life and, and they get shut down. And what happens when they're young is that... Um, it's very extremely natural for them to touch their bodies and feel pleasure because our bodies are meant to feel pleasure. Our bodies are naturally pleasurable in its optimum state. As we get older and we move through life um, and we get shut down, our bodies can become what I would describe as armoured and we feel more numbness in our bodies and less pleasure. But Mm. that can be corrected. You know, that can be through practice, and this is what I do in my practice, in my coaching practice, Mm. is support Mm. women to reconnect to their bodies and de-armour themselves so that they can feel more pleasure in their bodies. Um, Mm. But getting back to sex-positive parenting, uh, we're just teaching our children that it's safe to touch their bodies, that it's safe to feel pleasure. Obviously, you know, there's rules around how that happens. You know, obviously we, we, we teach them that it's something that they do in a safe space, whether that be in your lounge room or in their bedroom or in the bath or wherever it might be. Um, so it's about, you know, setting those boundaries around how they uh, connect with their bodies um, to be safe. But it's about making sure that we're not raising our children with any shame associated to feeling pleasure in the body. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. So what are some simple ways to sort of incorporate sex positive parenting in our daily parenting? Well, I think from our perspectives as mothers, um, to not be afraid of not knowing. So that would be the first thing that I would say, because a lot of um, parents feel that, oh, well, I don't know enough about sex or enough about sexuality to teach my children. And what Mm. I would say to parents who feel that way is to not be afraid of not knowing. And Mm. actually, it's better to be vulnerable and show up and admit when you don't know something rather than make it up or push it aside or you know, just ignore it because when we make it up and push it aside, um, we're giving our children the message that um, we're not clear around our sexuality and then they pick up on on, on those messages that we give them. Mm-hmm. So just being willing if you're not sure to, you know, and, and your children ask you questions to say, I don't know the answer to that, sweetheart, but let's find out you know, and, and actually being okay with that. So first and foremost, just making a commitment to be as open as possible with your kids, mm. despite what your education around this is. Mm. Um, another thing I would recommend is um, if you do see your children touching their genitals is just to um, positively reinforce them and just open the conversation with them and say, you know, it, you're safe to do that. That's okay. You know, like, yeah, when we touch ourselves, it can feel good and just leave it at that, you know, and just not have it be something like, oh, no, don't do that. That's dirty. Or, you know, we don't, we don't touch ourselves and, you know, reinforcing all of those negative views that we might have adopted mm-hmm. through our own upbringing. It's really, really common to want to do that. Yeah. What about, you know, two siblings in a bath and them, you know, 
trying to touch each other's bodies and think like what's the best way to approach something like that do you think well teaching our children consent is really important so just letting each letting each child know that we ask um, if we can touch each other's bodies. Um, you know, look, I think it's completely natural for children to want to explore each other's bodies. Um, I'm, I, I wouldn't describe myself as an expert in sex-positive parenting. There are some of my peers um, that I, I would say are better equipped to answer these types of questions in more depth in terms of the dynamics between the two children. Um but, yeah, just in terms of um, equipping our children to become empowered little individuals is about teaching them consent and, you know, letting them know that, you know, you can't just reach out and touch your sister's body without asking. Um, and in the same way, we need to support them um, if they don't want to um, hug their uncle or auntie to support them in that as well, you know, that to give them the choice as to whether or not they want to hug and kiss people um, and not force that on them. Because what is that teaching them, you know, if we're forcing them to, to, to hug or kiss Sometimes people would say, well, it's just polite, you know, that, that, yeah. that's Uncle Richard. Go over and give him a hug. Come yeah. on, give him a hug, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, what's the, is there, a, what do we have to be mindful of there? Yeah, what I would say is um, polite to whom and why, you know, so questioning, okay. questioning why um, mm. and who is, you know, where does the, where does the responsibility for this lie you know, like it's, mm. is it, is it the way you feel Uncle Richard will perceive you as a mother mm. if your child doesn't yeah. want to hug or kiss Uncle Richard, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. really about reflecting on, um, does this mean that I'm not a good mother if my children aren't, mm. um, in, you know, instantly and, um, openly loving and affectionate, mm. Mm. um, you know, and I find that if you give children a choice, um, then you're empowering them. You're empowering them to make that choice. And if they do form a really positive relationship with Uncle Richard, then they're going to run up to him and give him a great big hug and mm-hmm. they're going to want to do that, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to being forced to do it. So if you're forcing them or encouraging them to go ahead and give them a hug, give them a kit, whatever it is to other people. What is the implication there? Because I would have thought you're not shutting down affection. You're actually encouraging it. So Mm. what's the thing we've got to be mindful of in that case? Well, just if the child actually feels inclined to do that or not, if a child is being forced to, um, do something beyond their physical will in that regard, then mm. what you're teaching them as they grow up, um, you know, if it's a if it's a young woman, you know, when she's 13 or 14 and or maybe 15, 16, however old she is when she has her mm. first boyfriend and, and they start making out, is she mm. going to feel like she's equipped to say, no, I'm not ready, no, we're going too far. Um, You know, you want to equip your children to have a really good understanding of consent as they grow up so that they can make positive and informed and empowered choices for themselves as they start to Mm -hmm. discover themselves as sexual beings and just humans in general, you know, Mm -hmm. like... um, I love hugging. I'm I'm a huge hugger and I just, I'm a very tactile person. So, I mean, I I hug my friends all the time and my daughter grew up watching me do that and they do tend to mimic you as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, quite often you don't need to sort of say, give so-and-so a hug and a kiss because, Mm. you know, if you're a tactile family, they may, you know, they may be inclined to do that anyway and feel okay about it. Mm, I think this conversation is just so important, particularly in this day and age where, you know, I remember when I was little, I didn't really know what sex was. 
till, you know, I don't even probably I was a teenager, like really knew what it was. Mm. Now what frightens me is that with the click of the button, Mm. someone, any kid can quite easily see what it is, you know, get a feel for it. I mean, I think Mm. pornography now has become a a big issue, particularly um, an addiction towards it for adolescent boys. And, and so you just, you just wonder what is that sort of doing to that generation as far as, you know, um, what they deem to be appropriate and down to that consent piece and, and, and all of that. And that really frightens me. Um, yeah. So I think, as you said, being really mindful of this sex positive parenting piece is a really great foundation um, to set Absol- your children up with. Absolutely. And, you know, what it's doing to young boys and mm. girls is incredibly damaging. Mm. It's mind-blowingly so. You know, like, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, Mm. pornography is, um, it's a huge, huge problem. And a lot of kids Mm. are learning about sex in that way. And Mm. then that's how they enter into their sexual relationships. And that's their expectation. And yeah, really, really damaging. Yeah. More can we be doing? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, make sure you've got the appropriate, you know, bands on your computer and mm. all of that to make sure there's only appropriate content comes up. But then, you know, you're not going to be with your kid every single minute of the day. You don't know what they're going to see. So no. what things should we be mindful of as parents? Um, Having conversations and being really open with mm. our children about this type of stuff. So I have a 13-year-old daughter and I am all the time opening conversations with her about whether or not she wants to talk to me about anything. And and this is something that I started from a young age as well. So, I mean, the fact that your audience are, um, are young mums, I mean, it's, it's the perfect um, time in your motherhood journey to start considering this. And, mm. and you know, it's never too late, I, I will say. It's never, ever too late. But fantastic if you can start having these conversations from a young age and being really open with your children and just letting them know that if they do have any com- any questions around sexuality from a young age that they can come and ask you and that way they're they're being raised in a way where that's just the norm mm. um i one of the things i do in my coaching is that i support mothers um, and fathers to, um, but I, I predominantly work with women. Um, I support them to have these types of conversations with their kids and mm-hmm. um, and coach them around how how to mm-hmm. for women who are feeling really uncertain about this, but have mm-hmm. a really strong instinct and drive and inner mm-hmm. knowing to parent in this way. Mm-hmm. What would be one of the key questions just for us maybe to take away today um, around that. So as you said, you know, because I feel like if I said to an adolescent, if you've got any questions about sexuality, feel free to come to me. I'd worry that they wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Is, is there a sort of a layman's way that we should be approaching it in one, a yeah. language? One thing that I really recommend is um, to introduce sex-positive parenting through a gratitude practice. So one okay. really beautiful um, thing to do with your kids, like when they're, you know, five, six, seven, right through to, you know, 13, however old they are when, mm. you know, they're still up for having these types of bedtime routines Mm. um, is to have a gratitude practice and sit down um, before you put your child to bed and have a conversation with them about what they appreciated about their day, you know, and Mm. it might be that they went to soccer or it might be that their friend did something amazing for them at school or that they Mm -hmm. had a really positive experience at school or that it was a sunny day. And another thing that you can incorporate into that is I'm really appreciative and grateful for my body and that my body feels pleasure and that it's and and how amazing is it like how do you, how do you like to experience pleasure in your body for example my daughter loves having her back scratched and it's like okay so um scratch the back before bed and encourage the child to breathe into her heart or his heart and in, into her body and actually encourage them to feel the pleasure of the back scratching 
in the body and make it a really positive experience so that as they grow up, it's not abnormal for them to have a, a positive experience of their bodies. Mm, yeah, that's a great one. It's a really good one. It's an mm. incredible grounding. Like what mm. I will say now is that, you know, my daughter at 13 just is so grounded in her body, you know, mm. and it's, you know, it's also about encouraging them to, um, when they're feeling emotions, to identify where they're feeling the emotion in their body as well. So if they feel angry, mm. to guide them into, so where is that emotion in your body and get them to, 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 um, to point to where it might be and get them to breathe into that part of their body. So this is another experience that children can have that can help them to really ground them in their bodies so that when, as they get older and they start to have more experiences of their bodies, perhaps in a sexual nature, they're not afraid to come to you and say, you know, mama, I had a wet dream or mama, you know, like I've got my period or mama, you know, like whatever it might mm. be, there's, there's just a very natural um, connection to the body mm. and a, a natural way of communicating that. It really normalises yeah. those experiences, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, mindful of time because I could talk to you all day about <laughs> yeah. this. But, yeah, uh, the time. I just, yeah, I was just, um, I guess one of my last questions is just what final advice would you give sort of young mums navigating this messy journey? Um, what comes mm. to mind? To be gentle, to be really, really gentle with yourselves and to appreciate that this is a, a period in time, you know, like it's, it took me about eight to 10 years of parenting to actually look over the hill of parenting and think, oh my goodness, like in eight years time, my daughter will be an adult and then life will be so different, you know, and I'll still be you know, uh, I'll be mid, I'll be middle aged, but young and vibrant, and you know, still able to just achieve and do so much. You know, like mm. when you're in the thick of motherhood and with young children, it can just feel like this is how it is forever, mm. and it is. It's a moment in time, so treasure it and just be really gentle with yourself. And, you know, if you are having difficulties connecting with your body and feeling um, feeling stressed about that or feeling uncertain about that, um, there there are ways and there are things that you can do to to support yourself through it and and to and to please reach out if you're if you feel inclined, um, you know, to do some work with me. Where can people find out more about you and your work? And I will say I'll pop it in the episode notes as well. Yeah, so my website is motherofdesire.com and you can reach out to me on the contact page there um, and, um, yeah, and if you've got an inquiry, you can just um, send through any questions um, via the website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shay, for joining us today. As I said, I, I knew I would get so much out of this conversation and I really have. So I, I really appreciate your contribution. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Leonie. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week. Subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow. Want to be part of the Mum Life community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Mum Life Podcast. Until next time, keep living your best mum life. Mm-hmm.